Good day, and welcome to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. I'm Associate Editor Elijah Poindexter. Recently, I spoke with Dave Excel, founder of machine learning anti-fraud company, FeatureSpace. I spoke to Mr. Excel about how cyber criminals are leveraging synthetic fraud strategies to attack buy now, pay later providers, along with how these providers can mitigate and manage these issues. Yeah, so I guess um, buy now, pay later, it's a bit, uh, a bit similar in terms of like almost opening an account with a, a credit card or, or a bank. So a lot of that is around, well, how are you proving your identity to the buy now, pay later um, provider? And then that's, I guess, open them to, to similar attack vectors that we've seen through that. So it could be around falsifying documentation or identity information of an individual or also what we've seen as significant growth here, um, especially in the US market around um, synthetic fraud. So where you're using a mix of um, like stolen identity information uh, mixed with um, fake information to almost create a, like a, a synthetic person, which will um, validate on certain like um, validation checks, but, but not when it's all um, combined, combined together. So I guess there are um, some of the ways in which sort of using that data that's available is ways to sort of um, defraud or to put a pretense to the, the um, buy now pay later um, provider and, and what they're provide uh, then uh, they don't have the, the correct information to then make a decision on are they going to um, proceed with the transaction. On the contrary, so you know how are these BNPL firms and anti fraud you know fintech firms how do they leverage tech to sort of manage the solution to keep this fraud from becoming a a, a, a big problem. So I guess one of those is to, to validate the data that actually comes in and making sure that those sources are, are as accurate as possible. Um, and then it's using technology like ours in terms of machine learning and adaptive behavioral analytics to look at like what is, where is the custom coming from? What are they trying to purchase with the buy now, pay later product? Um, past behavior of similar customers, if it's a repeat customer, um, what are the, what's the activity that they've seen um, historically to really then try to differentiate what looks like a traditional sort of good consumer versus something that, that appears abnormal. Uh, like it could be something around, like something very basic around velocity. Are we seeing a, a large number of um, attempts to buy something from the same device or the same um, IP address? And I think one of the things that's really interesting is we probably don't really understand the full extent of how much fraud is taking place where often it potentially that gets categorized um, as a default um, against the loan rather than knowing if it was fraud that was actually taking place um, in the first place. Could you walk me through just briefly um, kind of the tech side of that? So, uh, you know, how do you guys leverage those machine learning solutions to kind of do that? Um, so I guess like, what, I guess also one of the challenges, which is then an opportunity within Buy Now, Pay Later, is you don't, there's not a, necessarily a large amount of data that's coming through um, as part of the application. So one of the, the first pieces is, well, what data that, that is available? It's then um, validating that that data is um, accurate and it's consistent with um, data that's on record through um, like know your customer type processes. Um, and then it goes through in terms of, well, let's look at historic customers. Um, let's look at um, other activity that we can capture, like the device um, from the customer potentially looking at the good that's being purchased and is there a higher potential resale value of that, which may indicate a higher fraud risk than something that, that has less resale um, value. And it's combining um, all of those factors together to then overall make a decision on am I willing to accept that customer or expect um, that, that loan. 
So moving into sort of like industry strategy, that kind of space. So, um, well, non-BNPL uh, firms and, and, you know, fintechs and financial institutions, well, they, and, and banks, of course, are included in this. Do you see them eventually adapting BNPL into their strategy, or, or do you see BNPL continuing to become sort of an individual uh, player in the space? Um, no, I, I see it adapting um, into that, and I think there's been quite a few sort of um, press releases around traditional financial institutions looking to make um, buy now, pay later offerings available, like either that they're sort of effectively white labeling them to other providers or providing them through their own brands um, as well. So uh, in the BNPL space, so what are vendors and competitors, what are they competing on? What are some of the key opportunity points that they're, that vendors are trying to kind of, uh, you know, outperform each other on? What are consumers in the BNPL space, what are they after that vendors are going to have to innovate on and keep adapting to? Um, that's, a, that's a great question. I'm not sure I've got a, a great answer for that one, but I guess one for me and um, is also on acceptance. Like you never want to go through that whole process and then ultimately be a legitimate consumer um, and then be um, sort of turned away um, at the last minute. So I think that's ultimately where a lot of our technology comes into play as well is you don't want to be declined um, due to fraud if you are a genuine customer. So having an accurate decision at that point of time to be able to go through and allowing the BMPL provider to be making a good decision. And I guess if they're able to reduce their losses in terms of um, payments that, that aren't made, then ultimately they can make a more competitive product available into the market um, that's available to their customers. So what are your predictions on you know, innovations in both the fraud, anti-fraud space, and in just the general uh, buy now, pay later space. What do you think is going to, you know, what's in the pipeline from your perspective that uh, both vendors and consumers have to be excited about? Um, so I guess one of the biggest things um, for fraud, I think, is the adaptability that um, fraud systems need to have in place. I think um, BMPL has been a really exciting like, innovation in the market. Uh, but then organizations don't want to then have to go and buy new fraud technology all the time. So one of our key things is to make sure that um, the solutions that we provide are adaptable to different ways in which consumers use financial products, um, different financial products that um, financial institutions want to take to market, and also adaptability to, to trends and changes. So we've seen massive changes in terms of how consumers use financial products over the last two years and having a system in place which remains um, fast and accurate um, during that time period is really important, as well as then making sure that those systems are explainable in terms of what we're providing in terms of decisions and outcomes from analytics and machine learning so it becomes much more understandable um, to a, a human that's looking at the output from that. You know, and it, it's funny, you know, COVID, I, I think most people can agree, certainly accelerated the fintech in the sort of banking and financial innovation boom that we've seen over the past year and a half, two years. Uh, and, you know, as these technologies become more and more widespread and more widely adopted, uh, do you see this continuing? Do you see that? Do you do you see innovation in the way that it's been going on for the past two years continuing? Or do you see it eventually reaching a, not necessarily a tipping point, but sort of a high watermark and then sort of coming back down to... Uh, to average, regressing to the average or the mean? I, I definitely see it continuing. I think it's been really exciting to see sort of the uptake of, um, and I and almost haven't seen enough of it. Like I, when I went to a restaurant and they had a QR code printed on the receipt and that's how you would then go and pay. And I think the adoption of a lot of that innovation um, has, is in some areas, but not necessarily um, in all. And I think also 
the way in which we work today, like I think the general sort of working more from like a hybrid approach and being at home is definitely going to be here here to stay for the, the at least the medium term. And I think that also spurs a lot of innovation in terms of um, how we then interact with different um, products and services. Like I think also the boom that we've seen of um, subscription-based services, like I think you can almost buy anything today on subscription. Um, so that's a, another trend that I continue to see um, adopted. But I guess at the same same time, start to see things that we've um, historically seen before, like um, rental-based mechanisms. I remember growing up a lot of the time is that they'd be advertising to, to rent a TV or to rent a dishwasher and those types of things. So it's interesting how the, the business models start to um, go around in circles sometimes. Are there any regulatory concerns with uh, buy now, pay later? Uh, and if you have the liberty to speak about them or speak about what's happening on the, in the regulation space, uh, what are your, maybe not concerns, but do you have any insights on how regulation will move forward with BNPL? Um, yeah, so I think for me there's a, a good sort of parallel to look at, which was in the um, payday lending space in, in the UK. So there was an organization um, called Wonga, which grew, grew extremely quickly. Um, but then I guess there was that, concern about harm to society in terms of where there being loans that were made that ultimately people couldn't then afford um, to repay. So I think where regulation can really help the industry is, is that sort of affordability metric and putting potential ceilings in place so that then I think it helps create a, a floor for these companies so that they're not always, in terms of where they're competing, they're not competing to a place which then generates harm um, for the end consumer. So ultimately, that's I, I don't. Ultimately, that's where I think regulation can really play strength in terms of um, helping um, the industry in terms of being a place which is then um, protecting the end customers and, and not a race to the bottom. Effectively, you've been listening to the Buzz, a Bank Automation News podcast. Thank you for your time, and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com for more automation news. You can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Please don't hesitate to rate this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you.